Welcome to the Atalan Rising podcast. We're your hosts, Adam and Lynn. In today's episode, we'll be discussing Immortal She-Hulk issue one, the Immortal Hulk, the Threshing Place, Marvel's X four and five, and Fantastic Four twenty four. Hi, Lynn. How are you? I'm great. I made a pie today, and it's <laughs> I've beautiful. Seen if there wasn't a global pandemic that limited my travel options, I would be so there right now. I'm only riding this pie high for a while. <laughs> I usually don't make them, but this one is is beautiful. I, I, it's it's the cinnamon swirls on the top that just. <laughs> I mean, we 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 could turn this into the Atalan Rising Apple Pie podcast if we if we could, but I don't think people are here for that. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we've had a really good good couple of weeks for comic books the last few weeks. So uh, we've had the Immortal She Hulk by Al Ewing and uh, the Immortal Hulk: The Threshing Place by Jeff Lemire. They've both been incredibly good. Yep. And uh, I guess kind of tying up the loose ends or kind of loose ends from Empire. I mean, mm-hmm. with Jen, which is really good. I quite enjoyed that. So I've been looking forward to this one. Jen, obviously, she's been in the the Avengers run by uh, Jason Aaron, but uh, I, I think Immortal She Hulk has really kind of done her done her a good job. Uh, Al Ewing certainly knows how to write her. Should we dive straight in with the uh, the reviews? I think we have some news first. Iman Vellani has been cast as Ms. Marvel. She is just perfect. You know, she's got that every kid way about her. I'm I'm so glad that they decided to cast a you know an unknown actor in yeah. this. Um, I think they could have gone down the road of getting somebody that was already established, but I I really like that about the uh, the MCU and and Marvel TV shows. They've always gone to kind of casting lesser known people. It's, it's great. Yep. And now now she is Ms. Marvel. Although, uh, did you see the screen rant has already decided to uh, put up a you know antagonistic post recently uh she she's a baby and i think they should pick on somebody their own size i i think exactly the same thing as well um especially for the nature of what the article was about it's just so dumb she's like 17 years old leave her be and and not only that people are allowed opinions (laughs) yeah (laughs) It's, it's not like it's a it's not like it's a totally bad opinion either it's 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 a it's a valid opinion you yeah. know and i just think screen rant are just ridiculous in trying to generate that and you know antagonism in there it's just yeah. I, I think her movie reviews are a hoot <laughs> yeah she loves brie larson though <laughs> yeah so so it works is, exactly so you know it's great it's fine did you see her review for Tenet? I did not. <laughs> okay, now explain it to me like I'm a child. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I don't disagree. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, Tenet is a very good movie, by the way. You should totally go see it when it comes out. Um, or, yeah, go see it when it comes out on Blu-ray, I should, uh, I should say. Yeah, I'm 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 so pleased about the fact that we're finally getting casting news. We're finally getting some information about the TV show. You know, we've got lots of uh, lots of cool stuff coming, and it's oh, so exciting. Things are finally starting to move again. Yeah, and uh, I'm hoping hoping that we're going to start seeing uh, some castings for more Inhumans. There's been rumors. Yeah, because I know the the 
biggest rumor I think is that uh, they're going to recast the kind of the Inhuman royal family, which will be super mm-hmm. interesting to see. Yeah, especially considering I thought Anson Mount actually made a, a pretty good Black Bolt, other than the fact that he was in a terrible TV show. They gave the actors nothing to work with. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah they didn't yeah, have a good script. They didn't have a good costumes. They didn't nope. have good special effects. They didn't have good sets. They looked like they were, you know, half from IKEA, half made from you know all the spare parts from somebody's garage. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it was. But it's, I've got Ensign Mountain Star Trek now, so. That's true. Yeah, he's um, he's been, been cast in that, and yeah, which is which is a really good role for him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's I'm glad he's moved on to bigger and brighter things. But yeah, so pleased about the fact we're getting some Ms. Marvel news now. But uh, should we should we dive into the comic books now, or <laughs> have we got any more news? Comic books. <laughs> okay, uh, I mean, good. I could keep I could keep going with the. Uh, you know, great podcast bake-off, but I think we should talk about some comics. <laughs> so, Immortal She-Hulk, issue one, written by Al Ewing. The artist was John Davis Hunt. Colorist was Mario Menez. Letterer is called Corey Petit. Cover artists were Joe Bennett, Roy Jose, Paul Mounts after Alex Ross. Variant covers were Simone DeMeo, Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spencer and Alex Ross. So it's finally here. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Uh, the Immortal She-Hulk has listed in the Empire story. Um, we finally got it. Yes. This book is really kind of about tying Jen's life into the Green Door story that Al's been telling within the Immortal Hulk series. Uh, it discusses Jen's various deaths and her trips to the below place. And we kind of go through Jen's life, where she's died, where she died initially. And she was transfused with Bruce's blood. And then when she died again in Civil War Two, and somehow came back to life, returning through the Green Door. Which we find out in this comic. Yeah, we find out exactly how. Yeah. And uh, yeah, most recently during the, the Katati invasion of Earth. Yeah, it's actually a great summary of what's going on in the Immortal Hulk series, which isn't surprising because it's Al's baby. Yeah, I, I thought that as well. And I, I, I think it goes through some pretty kind of interesting concepts as well. So also, I think it also goes through some pretty interesting concepts as well. Uh, like it goes back to the whole death in comic books and how characters come back to life and they use that as a common trope and it's never tends to be discussed afterwards what kind of stresses and emotional impact that has on the characters themselves. And uh, there is one conversation that Jen has with Thor that suggests that she's not mortal because of the Hulk, which is quite an interesting development too. Yep, none of the... Uh... None of the gamma mutates are now. Yeah, which is which. Well, I mean, it's kind of hinted at that maybe they can be forced to be mortal. Um, especially, you know, you've got the uh, the leader down in, uh, you know, down in the below place. But yeah, this this issue does a great job of tying together kind of all of Owl's Immortal Hulk series, uh, all the books together, back into Empire, um, and also you know all the different uh, Civil War Two is a good example. And I guess to an extent also, you know, when Hulk died last. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just very good. <laughs> I don't think I can say much more of it than that. I, it, it's got really high praise from me. And I mean, admittedly, I haven't really read as much as I'd like of the Immortal Hulk series, which is kind of more See, for me, really. Me too. I, I've got all of the trades as well. It's it's just it's all sat on my shelf and I might get use it here, to get back on, on track. <laughs> 
I've uh, I've got to get back to back on track with my Goodreads reading challenge. Um, I'm like, let's go because we got we got to talk about it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I, I might be slightly unaware of the the overall kind of connotations <laughs> of the book, but it was really enjoyable, and I liked how I didn't actually need like an in depth knowledge of the Immortal Hulk series, um, and I didn't need like a a huge understanding of Jen's previous books. Um, and you know the other thing I really enjoyed about this book is the fact that Al Ewing makes it flow, gives a lot of information without the you know without the use of masses of um, chat and exposition, which, as we all know, I don't like many words in my picture books. <laughs> so. Why use many word when few word do trick? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I think I think Hulk best describes how I like to read things. Yeah, if I can if I can get a gist from every other word, then perfect. That's that's the book for me. See, the Hulk's <laughs> the guy for you then. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so the writing, as I said before, is very good. There's there's no real need to pick up any of the issues, uh, previous issues, previous stories. Of course, it helps. Um, <laughs> If you want to learn about Jen and where she's come from and and where she's you know where she's been previously, it, it's great in understanding her. But I think that Al has done such a good job in kind of turning his hand to her, and anybody he writes, um, I might say, uh, it's just amazing how he does it. He he writes her brilliantly well. Yeah, I, I did like the little asides about Tony being a jerk. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, it's, it's, I know you love him. I know. Well, I mean, just recently, it's I've kind of lost my, it's lost its spark a little bit, but because <laughs> you know, Civil War Two did have its problems, but Carol did turn out to be right in the end. Too bad that it was all explained outside of Civil War Two. Yeah, it, in, in Civil War Two was one of those books but... where nobody was written particularly great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's worth pointing out that Carol and Tony are a lot alike. Yes, yeah, they, they both that... like being right. And that was also pointed out in the Civil War two books, but I don't know whether it was in the yep. core one or whether it was in a um, just outside it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this this story is creepy as hell, and you know Brian Banner is always awful, but the bits with the leader, ugh, my god, you know, don't die again. Yeah, and that, and that's the bit where I was kind of like, hmm, is is he going to be? I mean, he's obviously going to be a big part of the Immortal Hulk series going yeah. forward because that was mm-hmm. established at the end of this issue, but. I I do need to know a little bit more, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to get caught up. Yeah, I'm definitely going to get caught up. You know, Jen has had her problems in the past, but, you know, she's still a sunnier character than the Hulk. I, it, it's literally light and day. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, having her tied into the horror aspect of this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that was kind of one of the things I, I thought was done really well and it was kind of like the fact mm-hmm. that it was it was done very much in an Al Ewing kind of way it was very much like a, a a normal traditional comic book where but then like you said it's got that horror aspect to it and it was kind of uh it, it was a bit of a departure but it, it was definitely enjoyable and you know it's she doesn't have her own series right now but there's just enough there for that to carry over into the Avengers series but uh, the other thing I quite liked was the the interactions with the other characters, and I thought they were done really yep. well. Um, you know, I particularly like the one with Wolverine because obviously <laughs> I love Wolverine as well. 
Is he Wolverine that... now or is he just Logan? Well, I, I, yeah, a bit of both, really, <laughs> isn't he? It's who knows. It's but, okay. Well, you can call him Wolverine if you want to call him Wolverine. <laughs> I you know um, who the real I, Wolverine is. What the one that's in the vault? <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oh, gone forever. <laughs> no, but um, in, in, no. All, in all seriousness, I, I, I kind of really like that because it kind of goes through what Wolverine feels as well when he's kind of mm-hmm. you know he's been dead a few times more quite a few times and um most recently in Death of Wolverine which was written by uh Charles Soule who wrote a lot of mm-hmm. the humans books um and yeah I, I I just really like how Al Ewing writes characters and I don't know how to to expand on that but besides you know he wrote this character yes. really well um he writes everyone this, really well that's the thing he's just exactly. great it, it's it's amazing such a such a real kind of you know talent really and and i'm so hyped up for sword as well because obviously we just had the news about sword coming and the fact that it's going to be in december and uh featuring it featuring a, a an x team um, he's writing that too isn't he exactly he is oh. and it's going to be i'm just, oh abigail brand is all we need <laughs> she uh, she's 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 one of those characters that I really enjoy. I just don't read enough uh, enough of, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to Sword. I'm really looking forward to Al being on Annex book. I just yeah. Uh, I I loved the bit with Tantrum and Logan's <laughs> complete nonchalance about what were clearly fatal injuries. Yeah, it'll like, be okay. We'll it'll, be, it'll be fine. We've just... we've got healers. <laughs> Let's go get a beer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that keep. was really good. It's it's. Um, oh. I, I like the fact that we're now seeing a lot of like the yeah. Dawn of X stuff just seeping mm-hmm. through to other books as well now, and uh, yeah, that was really fun. And you know, even though he does give Jen all these reassurances about coming back from death, he doesn't look quite so sure about it at the end, which you know you, you see shades of his concerns from the current X books. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I quite like that about him. And I like how he's the one that's, it's kind of playing not, on his mind. Uh, yeah, he's, he's not 100% on board just yet. And uh, yeah, I mean, the whole resurrection thing in, in the X-Men books at the moment is is really odd because they, it it's literally just a backup of you. And that's kind of, you know, worrying. And I, I think it, that, it, I think resurrection in this case is just, yeah. Yeah, because when Jen resurrects, it's definitely her. Yeah. She she goes to the below place, she comes back. The X-Men's resurrection opens up a whole bunch of philosophical questions. Yep, and it's it's kind of that whole idea of, you know, you are this backup of a person and this backup in theory could be manipulated because all your you know, we were doing a store on Cerebro, but yeah, and yeah, I we think we could accidentally the... make up another backup if we don't pay attention. <laughs> Yeah, we can back up, you know, and overwrite the backups, and it's just it's it's all very odd, and you know, I'm I'm seeing where that I want to see where that goes in the in the Dawn of X books, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I I I prefer I think I prefer the Gamma uh, Resurrection stuff yeah. as opposed to the House of X Powers of X ways because the way that the the Hulks come back, it, it literally it is them, and like you said, it's they come back, it's all them, it's 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 fine. But the X-Men stuff, like you said, it's all the philosophical questions. It's all the, you know, what have you done? Could you, could, have they been manipulated since? And yeah, it's, it's all very, 
<laughs> it's all very difficult and confusing. <laughs> but the the art on this book, um, I'm gonna kind of say it wasn't for me, uh, but I can kind of understand, you know, the appeal for it, and I like how what I did like about it was how like emotionful the characters were. If that's the best way of putting it. Um, <laughs> Because you, you could you could definitely see the emotions in the in the characters themselves. Um, expressive, but, but it's very expressive. Yeah, that's that's the word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the the style itself is probably not something I'd go out of my way to pick up. Um, and obviously, yeah. it's it's all subjective. It's you know some person. It's a horror comic style, which works yeah. for this story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think. I think I'm a little bit like Saren in the fact that I'm not a huge horror person, but yeah, I, I can totally see what you're saying. It's definitely a horror style. It fits the book. It certainly fits fits the book. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think I'd I'd probably pass and I'd wait for it to come out in trade if it was uh, if it was a series. But but overall, it's Al Ewing, guys. We we weren't not gonna rate this highly. <laughs> he's uh he's he's turned into a an incredibly professional and proficient storyteller and this is absolutely no different to his other books and if you haven't read it yet go buy it and give it a read you'll you'll love it and even though i'm not a fan of the art i I think this still deserves a five out of five easily and speaking of the hulk this week we got the immortal hulk the threshing place writers jeff lemire artist mike del mundo Color by Mike Del Mundo and Marco D'Alfonso. Lettering by Corey Petit. Cover by Mike Del Mundo. Some variant covers by Joe Bennett, Rui Jose, and Paul Mounts. The associate editor is Sarah Brunstad, editor Will Moss, and executive editor Tom Brevoort. Bruce Banner, drawn by gamma radiation, heads to a small farming town to investigate the disappearance of a young girl. It's rumored that a monster or a bear took the girl, but the truth is far more devastating. Little Rebecca has been exposed to gamma radiation by a secret government gamma garden and is now a gamma mutate. Hulk finds the girl, restores her to her old self by drawing out the gamma radiation, and then goes to enact vengeance on the lad that did this to her. No happy ending here. Rebecca is still a gamma mutate, and Bruce informs her father that he's going to need to live a life on the run to avoid the government agencies that will try and hunt her down. This this huh. was a. It was a bummer. It was a bummer, but it was inc- an incredibly good issue, and and oh. Jeff Lemire does such a good job. Yes, he he, he does a great job, just carrying over the feel of the Al yeah. Ewing books. You know. Yeah, and and that, and that's what that's what we came here for, I think, because uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's a good story, really good story, and. You know, with it being a one shot like this, it really reminded me of the old Hulk TV series with Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno, yep. which I loved as a little kid. I loved the Hulk so much. I, I have little I, Hulk tennis shoes. I still have wow. them in the basement. My teeny wow, little Hulk I, tennis shoes. Yeah. I have to admit, it's, it's, one of, it's one of those TV shows that I keep meaning to go and like catch up with, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, I've never watched, never watched them. Yeah, yeah, you know, and back then girls weren't supposed to like comics, so I had to get little boy shoes. Well, I mean, <laughs> rude. That's so yeah, rude. It's it's, it's it's a bit a bit rude, but I mean, um, at least you got them. That's the main thing. That's right. My my mom understood my love of the Hulk. <laughs> 
You had a, you had a great mom. That's the that's the thing. <laughs> and that that last splash page that was just sad Bruce Banner walking away was perfection. You know, just cue the lonely man theme. <laughs> that's that's the only thing I know about that TV series actually, because of the Family Guy episode where they uh, where, <laughs> where Siri walks away. <laughs> Whenever I'm at work and I have to go to the plant to go solve one of their problems, when I drive back, I put on the Lonely Man theme. <laughs> oh, I need to I need to take a take a leaf out of your book. That's solve a, all your problems and then sadly go back home. Yeah, but it, it, like I say, it was it was a very good book, and and I think the the, the kind of that the tone of it was it just matched Al Ewing's Immortal Hulk series. Um, you know yeah. the, the bits that I read of it. I feel like this is a bit like the Agents of Shield uh, series where I I missed an awful lot, <laughs> <laughs> so I can only comment on the five issues I have read. <laughs> yeah, this was beautiful and melancholy. And speaking of beautiful, Mike Del Mundo's art is always astonishingly beautiful. His, yeah. his style, though, is weird to see in a whole comic because, you know, it's got that dreamy, soft focus, Vaseline on the lens kind of quality. And then the hop, you know, and then the Hulk pops somebody like a zit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and I, I think my so I was reading that and I was going through it and I was like. <laughs> Okay, I can see where this is going. And then you got to the scene where he just pops the bloke's head like a zip. <laughs> and I just I just started laughing. I was like, I know this is meant to be a horror, a horror book, but I genuinely just cracked up. It was <laughs> it was like the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Because I I and you know, I, I think that's uh I think it's you more weren't of a expecting it. To... Exactly. It's just like what? And <laughs> I think that's a real testament to the art, to be honest with you, because it's done in such a way that you you get the horror vibes, but equally you you don't take it overly seriously. Yeah, yeah. and it's just it was just so good. Yes, yeah, you know, so many you know, beautiful pictures of Sad Hulk. Yeah, yeah, and just a, a masterful use of focus to draw your eye where he wants it. Yeah, I, I I think the the two Jeff Lemire and Mike Del Mundo uh, brilliantly paired on this one. Um, Mike Del Mundo, I think I know most from uh, New Mutants currently. And he did um, he did Weird World. Okay, I haven't read Weird yeah. World. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a really nice story. He also did um, a lot of the Thor series, didn't he? Yeah, and that that was excellent as well. Yeah, but you know, there's there's just that one page where Rebecca's dad is talking to Bruce Banner, and he notices the little hair clip, and how he you know, he kind of changes the focus to show you what the dad is seeing. Yeah, I I love when artists do that, and I I I'm I can only guess that it's it must take a hell of a lot of uh, focus to do that. You know, yeah. uh, pun intended, um, because it it's just you know. When you do it with a camera lens, obviously the camera's kind of working for you, but to draw that and to be able to actually do that yourself, it just, you know, it, it, it amazes me. I, I have huge respect to, uh, to talented artists like that. So final assessment, this is highly recommended. It's a beautiful, sad story. And I'm looking forward to more of these Hulk one-shots because we will be getting one by Al Ewing 
who's teaming up with Aaron Cooter for Immortal Hulk King in Black, which is a holiday story that we're getting in December. Because when I think Christmas, when I think Christmas, I think Hulk. Yeah, and and the King in Black. He's so festive. Which is, uh, yeah, you know the King Black being a Venom story as well. I mean, Venom and Hulk. What more Christmassy could you get? That that is jolly. Yeah, I mean, I reckon they're both going to be delivering <laughs> gifts to to all the good children. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I, I just, <laughs> just really surprised. <laughs> it's a it's a holiday special story, uh, and it features those two guys. It's just wow. Okay, awesome. fair enough. Yeah, brilliant. I, I will totally buy that. Um, so I'd give this one a five out of five lock jaws. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. It's um, it was such a good story, and it's like it's. I feel like this is one of those ones where it's totally it's it's not been marketed very well because I want everybody to read it. So the next books, uh, multiple on our list, is uh, Marvel's X four and five, uh, with a story by Alex Ross and Jim Kruger. Uh, artist is Well B, letter is Corey Petit, cover artist is Alex Ross. Variant cover was done by Well B. Graphic designer is Carlos Lau. Assistant editor is Martin Biro. Associate editor is Alana Smith, and editor was Tom Brevoort. Because it's been quite some time since we uh, reviewed issue three, I think something like back in March this year, um, before the world went to shit, uh, I figured I'd do a little bit of an overview of the story so far. This is a prequel to the hit story by Alex Ross EarthX. Uh, Marvel's X up to now has kind of followed the story of a young boy called David who hasn't been mutated uh, by a virus that was going around the globe. David was searching for the heroes of New York after his family were killed, traveling to New York with uh, your friendly neighborhood Ghost Rider. Uh, And then he was uh, found by Daredevil and Spider-Man. They go to Doctor Strange and see if there's some way of getting into the Baxter building after everybody seems to blame the Fantastic Four for this, uh, only for David to be captured by Kraven the Hunter, who has ironically been mutated into a man lion thing. And he even commented himself in, I think it was issue three, that it was uh, somewhat ironic that uh, he was mutated into one of the creatures that he used to hunt. So the the two issues that we uh, are reviewing today are issue four and issue five. Um, And issue four is, in my opinion, kind of where it all comes together. Uh, David is still in Craven's clutches. Spider-Man and Daredevil are out to find him. And all David wants to do is escape. So when David inevitably manages to escape, all Craven wants David to do is shoot him, uh, egging him on. Uh, Spider-Man attempts to save the day, getting caught in some razor wire, and then he kind of gives David advice on ensuring that he doesn't kill someone. I mean, come on, we don't want to see a kid kill a fully grown adult. That'd be grim. Um, he is told that Cap isn't dead after David in the previous uh, previous issue sees a uh, like a uh, Cap's head on the wall in uh, in Craven's little room. And uh, this is kind of when all the heroes begin to appear, including Cap. Uh, and it's kind of like a huge Avengers Assemble moment, protecting David and taking down Craven. And this was a really good, I think this was a really good issue, but it it was kind of a, an all coming together and that's all it did. Um, but then we go on to issue five, which is when all the heroes of New York kind of take David into the Baxter building. Which which uh, which works much better than it did before in issue two, I think it was when uh, Spider Man and Daredevil tried to get into uh, one of the high level floors and they get pushed out. <laughs> this issue 
basically is a lot of the sciencey heroes poking and prodding David to try and find out exactly if he has a mutation or if he doesn't. And for the most part, this book was largely a lot of exposition. Although big shout out for the use of the term the new normal, like we haven't heard that enough this year. Um, And I would like to say there's a super sweet moment between uh, David and Falcon and the fact that David kind of wanted to be Cat's friend to know and to know him, but not to be him. And he's just such a wise kid. I mean, who who wants to be Captain America when you could know Captain America? (laughs) And the end of the issue is kind of like a big call to arms as the mutants from outside managed to break in only to find the Baxter building's defense systems, which, of course, is the heroes themselves. So my overall impression of these two issues, I think, um, you know, I've been really enjoying Marvel's X as a series. Earth X is kind of one of those series I've 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 loved for a long time. It's one of the first kind of alt, alt universe books I picked up when I started reading comic books. It's a classic. Absolute classic. And all of the Earth X issues and, and some of the bits that actually came out of Earth X seem to have been a little bit of inspiration for uh, for the all new, all different Marvel. Um, yeah. Re- rebranding but uh it it feels a little bit too on the nose for the global pandemic that's happening at the moment like the term the new normal um it, it feels a little bit close to comfort but yeah I, I would like to point out though that it was written well before any of this happened that is very true so, i mean it must have been it know. must have been written at least a year ago um because yeah. the first issue came in what january so mm-hmm. uh, yeah and uh <laughs> So, you know, yeah. Alex Ross and Jim Kruger, not allowed on Krakoa. <laughs> no precogs. <laughs> no precogs oh. allowed. But yeah, I, I love this book. Um, and I've always had a real love for the universe as well, like I said. Um, and the fact that Earth maybe unintentionally came a, became a reference for all new or different Marvel. Uh, for instance, the Terrigen bomb that went off and started this crazy chain of events. And... Uh, there's a few other things in there as well, which is which is kind of cool. But I mean, so Alex Ross and Jim Kruger, Kruger have done a really good job here. They've made a really good story. And uh, to do this review, I kind of went back and had to read all of the issues again because it was some of the details got a bit fuzzy in the, what, seven or eight months since I last read the book. Oh. Um, what I really love, and I, I think I didn't really pick up on originally, was how we kind of see everything from David's point of view. He really is kind of the hero mm-hmm. of the story. And, um, you know, some bits like how Captain America appears and how David, you know, how he describes Captain America and he is an Avenger, he is the Avenger. That, that kind of enthusiasm for all the heroes is kind of infectious. And I kind of, I just love it. <laughs> so that just reminds me of Chris Hemsworth being upset because his son loves captain america so much <laughs> yeah yeah the fact that he didn't he, didn't he actually dress up as captain america as yeah, opposed to, to go to the set yeah <laughs> all i cared about was captain america <laughs> brilliant brilliant but um yeah i think i think my favorite character in this story is actually other than david himself is probably spidey and daredevil which is yeah kind of uh, strange for me because I'm not a huge fan of either of them to be perfectly honest with you but you know they've aged in this it's um it's it's a little bit of time since main 616 continuity but it's still very much them if that makes sense mm-hmm. um yeah. you know sometimes you get the you get a bit of a 
you know a, a trope where as you get older you get you know a bit more you know get the hell off my lawn and all that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. now these guys are still the heroes that they always were yep even if peter's a little more sweatpants spider-man <laughs> yeah oh god that just reminds me of spider-verse and now i need to go watch spider-verse so <laughs> but also i love the x-men cameos they were brilliant. Uh, I, I I love the fact that Angel and X Man uh, and Ice Man were like putting food parcels out to various different people in the neighborhood mm-hmm. without them having to go out and putting themselves in danger. That was that was really fun. Yeah, mutants getting a bum rap in this series. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, reading back through it, it's it's everybody else is getting the blame apart from the people that need the blame. <laughs> and how dumb are these scientists, really? Because, you know, I'm like, Reed, you've only been... People are scabbing up and getting powers. I think you know some people who kind of go through that process. That's the thing. I mean, it's basic... EarthX and Marvel's X is meant to be like an alternate future. So surely the majority of the present has already happened. So, (laughs) yeah, that's that's kind of one of those things where it's just like, hmm, hmm, yeah. Like, you, you, you... that these people are practically family to you. <laughs> practically family. You've seen what they can do, and yet you don't know. That's, yeah, you haven't that's... put two and two together yet. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, Reed, come on. Come on, dude. Reed, but... come on, man. But uh, I-, I tell you what, reading this series, basically from issue one up to issue five, um, has kind of really made me appreciate what a really great job Welby is doing on this uh, on this book and it really kind of captures the tone of the original yeah. um and uh, you know one of the things we brought up when we were talking about we only find them when they're dead is like the use of color and uh, i think the color choices in this book are actually really good as well you know like the the fact that the the baxter building shield is the fantastic four blue color um i really like that and i like how he kind of shows a dystopian version of New York where it's all kind of dark and dingy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He's, he's done a, he's done a super good job, I think. And uh, I I really hope he gets a little bit more work at Marvel because this is kind of his debut series and it's absolutely superb. And uh, I think the other thing to comment on is his um, uh, portrayal of Sue Storm as well. And again, we've mentioned this previously where you get some very stereotypical, portrayals of characters and um no Welby's done a really good uh version of her character and her suit is awesome mm-hmm. i really love her suit yep yeah so generally it's a really good book really enjoyable maybe a little bit too close to home with the global pandemic but as as uh, lynn said it's it was all written before the world went to hell so you know but uh issue six is in stores october the 14th and uh trade paperback will be released i think december the 15th I think I'd rate this, I rate the whole series so far, probably four out of five. And finally, we have Fantastic Four, number 24, Cold Snap, written by the Eisner Award-winning Dan Slott. We had to. <laughs> yeah, I have to say it. Artist is Paco Medina, color by Jesus Arbatov, letterer Joe Caramagna, cover artist Nick Bradshaw and John Rauch, variant cover by Alex Ross. Graphic designer is Carlos Lau, assistant editor Martin Biro, associate editor Alana Smith, and editor Tom Brevoort. Here it is, 
The story of the first substitute Fantastic Four member, Iceman. As the Fantastic Four gather for a family dinner to celebrate the official adoption of Nicola and Joven, Iceman escorts a tardy Franklin home from Kakoa. Upon arrival, Four Yancey Street acknowledges his Fantastic Four member status, resulting in a clash between fire and ice. We're then treated to a flashback story where a hot-headed teenage Johnny quits the Fantastic Four and is replaced by a runaway Iceman. That is, until Johnny gets word of the interloper and heads back home. Back in the now, the two reconcile and Bobby joins the family for dinner. Aww. Oh, oh, this was uh, this was great because I'd been I'd been anticipating this story basically <laughs> since issue like issue one or issue two, where all of the former members of the of Fantastic Four uh, were kind of called up. You're summoned, um, yeah. And I was, I was Johnny's like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it's you like, when belong. did you become a member? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a fun one-off story. To have kind of a cool down from Empire. Yeah, I have to admit that's probably um, it's probably the best thing about it is it does kind of go from this big all encompassing event that was you know world changing and universe changing to hey we're gonna have dinner now and now we're gonna have argument about how Iceman is not a Fantastic Four member. Yeah, and there's just so many super cute family moments with Valeria being a chip off the old block. Sue being in mom mode. Oh, with the earring. Yeah. The earring you've and... You've, you've made it invisible, haven't you? Yes. Yes, yes I, I have. have. <laughs> and I, I did love Valeria. Well, you can just make the stains invisible. With Reed behind <laughs> her going, hey, now. That's a good idea. <laughs> oh, do you know, my, my favorite thing about that was then Sue's response when she was like, you little and then it was just flagged (laughs) off and i was like yeah you know what she was gonna say there (laughs) oh and nicola and joven are still amazing and adjusting to life on earth this Uh, is you saw them getting some new duds yep yeah nicola is apparently a girly girl she likes her dresses and joven is a riot (laughs) he wears the uniform of the new york yankees Yes, and you know, he can have one more, more than one outfit. Such unbridled decadence! <laughs> it was so, it was so good because he was clearly, he's clearly just such a child, and that, and then yet he comes out with that, and it's like, oh, uh, you, you can tell he's an, you know, not of earth. He, he is so intense. You know, we, we're talking about it with um, Captain Marvel and uh, L'Oreal about how L'Oreal doesn't have that, you know, the common trope of the alien on Earth and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I think Dan Slott does similar to what Kelly did, and, and she he he manages to do it in such a way that it's not, like, all in your face. It's not all about how the fact that they, you know, can't use a knife and fork. It's like, he does it in such a way it's really funny, but it's still that same kind of trope. Mm-hmm. They are just, I'm looking forward to every issue of the Fantastic Four now, just for these two kids. Oh, just, I mean, I don't think we even need to see Reed and that now. We just need to have Ben, Alicia, and uh, Joven and Nicola. That's that's all we need. <laughs> so cute. They are my favorite thing to come out of Empire. Yeah, yeah, mine too, I think. And we got a Willie Lumpkin appearance. The Fantastic Four's mailman, who made his first appearance in Fantastic Four number 11. 
Wow, it's a little while ago. It's fun when <laughs> you get Willie gets to show up. <laughs> and yeah, you know, the bickering between young Johnny and Bobby is just delightful. Yeah, I love that. And the uh, well, you know what, what you're describing is an '80s montage. <laughs> it was just this all happened just... in one day <laughs> and it was like literally one after the other and it's like no no yeah. I, I literally went up against your entire rogues gallery it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it, that was I think that was the high point I think um, Johnny and Bobby they're like they're two hotheads yeah. they come together and, and yeah, yeah this was brilliant and I, I felt it was a really good depiction of the classic versions of both Fantastic Four and X-Men Without being cheesy or hearkening back to old cliches? Yeah, so when I read this yeah. book and it was did all the flashbacks to um, you know previous Fantastic Four stories and all that kind of stuff and it had that feel of a classic Fantastic Four story, I kind of imagined that's what <sighs> Fantastic Four antithesis would have been. Yeah. Yeah, we, we reviewed antithesis number one and i think we're going to hold off until we get a couple more issues out because i'm just not feeling it and it's kind of like i feel that dan slot and what he's done with this issue is really good at kind of getting all the good bits of the the golden age the silver age of and you know the bronze age of comic books and really doing the fantastic four a lot of justice from that time and um and like you said it's not going back to the old cliches of you know damsel in uh, distress and all that kind of stuff and oh no reed doesn't pay attention to sue <laughs> yeah we we don't need to see that we need to see stuff yeah. like this that's really fun and I like the fun stuff yeah exactly all the fun stuff and all the all the really you know where, where they are actually a team you know <laughs> paco medina and jesus arbatov did a really good job switching up the art style for the flashback you know we had Hints of the old Kirby designs of the characters and all the little dots yeah. kind of simulating the four color process. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, was really cute. good. Yeah, and like, like I said, this is this is kind of a real good um, you know, hark back to you know, I think what Fantastic Four would have been what, Silver Age of the comic books. Um mm -hmm. and it's a it's a real it's a real hark back to that and yeah, I I, I love this issue, I really did. Yeah, it's, it's it's a cute, fun story where everything turns out okay in the end, and I think we need that right now. Yeah, yeah, it was all about family as well, and that's the, and that's the thing. And I think that's a real good hark back to what's issue two of this series. You know, when 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 everybody came together. Yep. Um, and and fundamentally, that is what Fantastic Four is all about, and Empire and this issue have really kind of reinforced that. And yeah, I mean. Dan Slott is bringing his A-game back and I, I, I love this book. <laughs> I really did. So I'll give this one four out of five Lockjaws. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I can't wait for more and I kind of hope it continues in this vein um, because I know that, that Fantastic Four for some people has kind of dipped in the middle a little bit. Yeah, this, is, this has been a real... It's come roaring back after Empire. Yeah, absolutely. But uh... So that's it for comic reviews um so what's coming next in the next few uh next few weeks i suppose let's see what's coming next october 7th which is this wednesday we're gonna get the champions returning yay that's that's exciting 
in their new series by Eve Ewing and Simone DiMeo. Which is also very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, Eve Ewing is an absolute riot. She is brilliant. Um, oh, you know, I, her I, Marvel team up with Ms. Marvel was a riot. And I I loved her on the uh, was it the women women of Marvel panel? Yep, that was so good. I mean, yeah, she she she's just such a nice person. And Simone De Mayo being on art is just fantastic. I mean, we've we've both read We Only Find Them When They're Dead, and unbelievable artwork. Also on October seventh, we've got Ms. Marvel, and then we've got Guardians of the Galaxy number seven that doesn't come out until October twenty first. So such a long wait between the two. It's been like that's been like almost like a two month wait for that one. Yeah, yeah. Um because that, that is, is be... another follow up to Empire where we have a nice peaceful diplomatic conference where absolutely nothing bad could possibly happen. <laughs> absolutely not. What are we expecting? Some kind of uh some Murder? Kind of fight oh, breakout? Oh you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think we, we've got a few good comic books coming up and, uh, you know, like like we keep saying, you know, you can always recommend books to us and uh, and we can always, uh, you know, give them a read, give them a talk about on a, an episode. Um, speaking of which, if you do want to kind of get into contact with us uh, on Twitter, we are at AtalanRising1 and our email address is the show at AtalanRising.com. So either one of those, send us a message. Uh, we read everything. So, uh, yeah, you can be assured of that. And then... Uh, But yeah, thank you for listening to this episode and we will catch you next time.